Thanks for checking out our weekly podcast. Our mission at Grace is to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. For more information about Grace, you can follow us on Facebook or check out our website at experiencegrace.church. All right. Well, sure, it's good to see everyone here this morning, just a week away from Christmas Eve. I'm thankful for all of you that have jumped in and helped with our Hugs from Heaven campaign. I wanted to make sure that you knew we started out by setting a goal of being able to give gifts to 35 different children in foster care in our area. We bumped that goal up to 45, and then now we know that we've given uh, 59 different young people are going to be receiving gifts. And so that's because you guys uh, volunteered to bring those in, and I want to thank you for uh, doing that and being a blessing to them. The other thing that I wanted to celebrate with you before we jump in today is that uh, we have a program that's called Grief Shared, specifically for families that are going through difficult times or people that have lost um, a, a, a loved one or someone close to them. And we started that for the first time this last year, and there was a young lady by the name of April that started coming to that. Uh, she came to visit Grace after that. She wanted to find out more about Grace, so she signed up for Grace Point, which is kind of our entry-level class, and to find out more about uh, what we do here. And last week during Grace Point, she prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And so I want to celebrate that. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And uh, that was made possible because a couple of ladies got out of their comfort zone and they said, hey, we've been hurting and we were consoled in that pain and now we want to console others in it. We want to use this program. And so we said, let's go. And uh, now we are able to see a little bit of what God's been doing behind the scenes on that. We're in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you today, Matthew chapter number 1. One last reminder is out there at the uh, Welcome Center. There is a Christmas devotional if you still have children at home. Uh, It's a creative way to weave in uh, the Christmas story at Christmas time because ultimately it's not about the presence after all right it's about the presence the presence of Jesus right and so uh, if you would like to have a little help on that there's a free devotion out there that has creative ways to lead your family uh, to focus on Jesus Uh, there's a passage to read questions to ask even a video to watch if you'd like to try that when it comes to doing family devotions or leading a family spiritually for years that was one of the things that I felt Uh, very um, inadequate uh, to do. Like, I'm a pastor, and I still felt inadequate in leading my family spiritually. Would anyone else confess and say there have been times where I have felt inadequate to lead my family spiritually? Please tell me I'm not the only one in the room that feels that way, okay? Uh, You're in good company, all right? It's it's difficult sometimes. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what to say, you don't know what to do or when to do it, will I, will I do it right, can I be consistent with this? You know, when I envision a family that's being led spiritually, especially at the Christmas season, I kind of imagine a family, you know, everyone getting together in their pajamas, they get around the fireplace, we don't even have a fireplace, well we've got a fake one I guess, uh, but... You gather them around the fireplace, and you can just smell the smoke in the air, and they've got like morning Christmas breakfast cookies or something, and they've all got their little Bibles out, and, and uh, Dad starts to read, and everybody prays just like it's perfect, like it's, it's a movie. Style. Listen, if you've ever tried to do a, a devotion with your family, you know that ain't real life. Am I right? Like, you sat down like, we're going to do this. You know, you got that little Christmas devotion, or you open to Luke chapter 2, and you're going to read the Christmas story. Someone won't get out of bed. So by the time they get there, they're already mad, right? And then there seems to be at least two people fighting. A dog starts chasing a cat. One of the parents refuses to interact until they've had at least one cup of coffee. And then once you start, someone either is on their phone phone, or they're cracking jokes when it's time to be serious. Then you smell smoke, and you're like, what is going on? 
right? It, it's not always as easy as it sounds or as easy as it looks. If you've been blessed with a family, you've tried to lead them spiritually, you know that it can be difficult. So part of the reason we're making that devotion available is so that we can give a little bit of guidance and resources to help you spiritually lead your family. It actually goes in line with the series that we're talking about. The series we started a few weeks ago is called this. We're calling it Help from Heaven. And we're looking at the four different times that the angels came in the Christmas story because every time they showed up, they were bringing some help from heaven for the different people that they were speaking to. The one we're going to look at today is a guy by the name of Joseph. You may have heard of him. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, For Joseph, the help from heaven was help for when leading a home. We get a little bit of help from heaven, the things that we see Joseph doing and and the the way that that interaction went down. uh, We see what it's like to get some help from heaven when leading a home. Now, before we get started, I do want to encourage those of you that don't find yourselves in a traditional family. Like, maybe you're a step-parent. Hey, Jesus had step-parent, right? Joseph was a stepdad. Uh, you may be in a position where you're like, well, my, my husband doesn't want to lead. Well, Joseph didn't really want to either. Mary was the first one that heard from Jesus, and Joseph was like, nah, I don't think so, right? So Mary had to do a little bit of leading there. So it may not be your traditional way of going about it, but I just want to encourage you in it because God included these stories for us to be able to uh, connect with them and learn from them as well. When you look at Joseph, there's so little that is recorded about him. As far as I know, you won't find anything that he said recorded in the scriptures. But while he's one of the most overlooked Christmas characters, or Bible characters, uh, he was given one of the greatest responsibilities. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be the stepdad of Jesus? Like, my stepdad's right here. What was it like being the stepdad of Josh? (laughs) No, but think about it. Being the stepdad of Jesus, like, and then, you know, as he gets a little older, like, the only story that God put in the Bible about the time that they raised Jesus was the time they forgot him at church. You guys remember that story? Like, they went to Jerusalem, and they hightailed it. They're like, I think, three days down the road, and they're like, where's Jesus? And God, the Father's like, are you kidding me? You lost my son, right? Like, give me, give me back my son. And so, it's, it's interesting that uh, he had this incredible responsibility but yet there's so little information given about him. As a matter of fact, you see Mary at the, at the cross of Jesus, but there's no mention of Joseph. Most Bible scholars believe that Joseph was probably uh, passed away by then. What we do know about Jesus, or Joseph is incredibly relevant, and it's very helpful to any of us that have been tasked with leading a home. So let's look at a few of the things that we see about him, starting in Matthew chapter 1. In verse number 18, where the Bible says the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. My understanding of their custom in those days was that when a, when, when a couple would get engaged, they were essentially married, uh, but they, the husband would go and prepare a home, and when that home was ready for the wife to come, then they would consummate the relationship, and that's when the official marriage would begin. So that had not been finished yet, so they were supposed to get married, and uh, <clears throat> it says in verse number 18, surprise, she was found with child, right? Look at verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. In other words, he had some compassion on her. Uh, He did not want to make a public example out of her. He did not want to shame her. Um, 
there was, there was a lot of public shame that would go along with that in those days. And so he said, look, I'm just gonna, we're just going to end this thing, and we're going to do it in a, as quiet a way as possible. In verse number 20, it says, but while he thought on these things, no doubt he had been thinking about them. It says that this angel came to him in a dream. So it would have been hard for him to sleep as he's thinking about these, these things. I mean, this is a major life uh, event that's happened. And it says that this angel appeared unto him in a dream and says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her, and I think the emphasis is on this next word, is of the Holy Ghost. He went to bed thinking, I can't believe she's trying to tell me this is God's baby. Like, seriously? Like, who's going to fall for that, right? And, and she was intent, serious about it. And he thought maybe she's losing her mind, you know? And he's, he's wrestling with this. He's decided he's going to put her away. He's going to be done with her and move on with his life, even though it's going to be difficult, potentially shameful. And as he's sleeping, the angel comes along and says, she ain't lying. The angel comes along and says, this child is of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be spoken, uh, that which was spoken, uh, or that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and, had called, and he called his name Jesus. When he wakes up from this dream, he completely changes his mind and says, I, I believe God. I believe what God is telling me here through this angel in this dream, that this is what God has for me. There's very little that we see about Joseph, very little that we're told about him, but in verse number 19, one of the things that we're told about him is that he was a just man. When you look at their original language that's used there for the word just, it's the same word that was used to describe Elizabeth and Zechariah uh, back when we looked a couple of weeks ago at their story. It said that they were righteous. What this word means, it means that it's used of someone that, uh, whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. So when, it, when, we, when we, we don't know a whole lot about what Joseph said, but we know a lot about how he lived. The way he lived is he lived in such a way that God's testimony of him is that he was wholly conformed to me in his thinking, his feeling, and his acting. We see that that is true by the way that he responded to this angel, right? Because when he went to bed, he had a plan. His plan was, we're done, Right? But when he saw the angel, he submitted to what God wanted, and he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, or as the angel had told him to do. The first thing that we see when, it talks, when we talk about getting help from heaven when leading a home is that leading starts with following. Leading starts with following. Joseph was qualified to lead the son of God. He was qualified to lead the son of God, not because of his stats, but because of his submission. Uh, it's not like God was up in heaven and he's looking around. He's like, you know, I'm going to send my son to some lucky couple out there. Let's, let's see who's you know, killing it spiritually. It wasn't that Joseph was necessarily doing a great job or better than everyone else, but it was simply that he was willing to follow what God was leading him to do. He was simply submitted to God. He knew that he didn't know. 
Spiritually leading a home starts with understanding that we don't have what it takes. We don't know what's best, and we cannot do it alone. Just step back from this and think about what would this story look like? How would it be different if he had simply done what he thought was best? I mean, put yourself in the shoes. Like, when we, when we see this going on, she's told him, he's probably at least three months into this, because as soon as she found out she was with child, where did she go? She went to Elizabeth's house, right? And she hung out at Elizabeth's house for like three months. Three months later, she shows up, and she's walking different, you know what I mean? Like, her belly's starting to show. And, and, and he says, no, I don't, I don't think we're going to go this way, right? I don't want to do this. And the angel says, no, this is of the Holy Ghost. What if he would have said, I'm not sure I can believe this. I'm not sure if I'm down for this. I didn't sign up for this. If we want a recipe for disaster, we should do what we think is best in our own power. Um, I mention it often because we're in the heat of it right now, but I have the opportunity to coach the basketball team at the Christian Life Academy, and I've been doing that for about five years, and the first five years I've had no idea what I'm doing uh, but for, actually for the first three years I really didn't know what I'm doing now I'm starting to catch on a little bit but I'll never forget um, about two or three years into it Seth back here is playing for us and Seth we decided was going to be a point guard that day and the day that we decided that Seth was going to be a point guard uh, we were playing against a team that had a ninja on the team you wouldn't think ninjas can play basketball but this one could um, and that ninja parked himself right at half court you know where the big circle and the logo is he parked himself right at half court and here's Seth who's like a freshman I think uh, in high school and he's playing against this ninja who's like a grown man uh, says they're senior I wanted to see his birth certificate but I don't know anyway uh, meets him at half court and what they do to you Seth stole the ball how many times do you reckon they stole the ball from you that day Probably about 15 times. It was bad. And so we called timeout. I get Seth over there. And Seth was coming right at the guy. And I'd say, all right, Seth, here's an idea. Try going the other way. Seth's like, all right. He tried that. Did that work, Seth? Nope. <laughs> I said, all right, next time I want you to use your guard hand a little bit better, you know, and try this. Did that work, Seth? No. Next time I want you to try to burn by him. Did that work, Seth? No. So we tried everything, like 15 times. And afterwards, because I, did, I knew that I didn't know, afterwards, I, at that time I didn't have an assistant coach, and so at, afterwards I went to some guys that had been coaches in the past, and I said, what could I have done differently? And they said, well, Josh, if you've got one guy here and one guy trying to beat him, why didn't you just put another guy right next to him over here so that when Seth got pressured, he could just pass it to him and there's nobody guarding him? And I said, that's genius. <laughs> it's like coaching 101 and I haven't gotten fired yet because I didn't know it, right? Like, if I would have kept going in my own power, leaning onto my own understanding, Seth would st still be struggling in life because he couldn't get the ball past half court, right? And, and what we see is the same thing is true for us in, in all areas of life. Listen, is that not the way it is with salvation? With salvation, most people think, well, you know, I'm just going to be as good as I can, and if I'm a good person, and, and, and if I do more good than I do bad, then I'll make it in. That makes sense to me. Doesn't it make sense to you? Like, that seems like a, a fair way of doing it, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there are, there's none good, no, not one. So if I lean into my own understanding and believe, oh no, God, 
You, that may be true for everyone else, but I am good. I can be better. No, you can't. If we believe that we can, we will die and live eternally without God, separated from him in a literal lake of fire. I'm thankful that when God came and he sent Jesus to die in the manger, Jesus didn't just stay in the manger. He went to the cross. He died for us because of our sin. He was buried. He rose again. And anyone that believes the gospel, calling about the name of the Lord, not leaning on to our own understanding, just believing that God's word is true, the Bible says we shall be saved, right? So leading starts with following. I can't lean into my own understanding. I need to lead into God's understanding, God's leading on this. This is true for salvation. It's true for us in our families as well. The best thing you can do to lead your family is to walk with Jesus. The best thing you can do to lead your family is to spend time with Jesus. You say, what does that, what does that even look like? You know, people talk about devotions and people talk about quiet time and people talk about walking with Jesus. What does that even look like? It looks like your relationships with, with other people. You talk to them and they talk to you. And the way God talks to us is through his word and through uh, the preaching of his word and through his spirit and through other believers. And so we listen to God through those sources and then we talk to God through, not everyone at once, prayer, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not a trick question. That's, that's how we do that. So the best way to lead our family is to understand it starts by following. Like Joseph, our way of thinking feeling and acting needs to be wholly conformed to the will of God. And this isn't just a call to submission, to say my way isn't best, God's way is best, and I want to follow his direction. It's not only a call to submission, it's also a call to safety. Because later on in this passage, we're told in uh, Matthew chapter 2, it says that when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Round two, right? He says, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word because Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So what was the three, the three word command that he gave him? Arise and take. And what, how does he respond in that next verse? And he arose and took, right? He did exactly what the Lord said, the same thing that he did earlier. We also see this in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19. Just a few verses later, it says that when Herod was dead, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph again, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. Go into the land of Israel, for they uh, are dead which sought the young child's life. So he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. You see what he's doing here is he's not just submitting his own desires to follow God's direction, but he's also receiving safety because there's no safer place to be than in the will of God, following the word of God by the power of the spirit of God. Leading starts with following. The second thing that we see uh, help from heaven when leading a home is this, is that leaders are always leading. Leaders are always leading. Every organization needs leadership right? God instituted three organizations. There's the church, there's the home, and there's the government. I know we wonder about whether or not God was actually involved in that last one, but he was, all right? Uh, church, home, and government. And all three of them, according to the scriptures, there has to be leadership within them. They don't need someone that has the title leader. They need someone that is doing the actual leading, someone that is taking charge. Now, I understand that some people are wired to be leaders and others are wired to be followers. All the leaders raise their hand right there. All right, good. All the followers raise your hand. Yeah, there's a few of those as well. I'm, a, I'm more of a, a leader, kind of in the direction that God has, has gifted me. And it's a gift, but it's also a curse. 
Because when you go to an event, let's say like a family event, and somebody's wanting to play a game or something, and they're like, you guys want to play a game? Yeah, let's play a game. What should we do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm like, let's just do this, all right? Is there anyone that does that, like just takes charge? Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? I mean, just let's just do something, and I'll lead the way if no one else is going to, right? Because, well, you've heard the the words, haters going to hate. Leader's going to lead. All right? That's just the way it is. Leaders are always leading. But I want to take a little bit different spin on that because it's kind of like character. Um, People say, you need to develop some character. You need to develop some backbone and have some character in your life. But the truth of the matter is, every one of us have character. The question is not if we have it. The question is what kind of character we have good character or bad character and the same thing is true with leadership leaders are always leading every home has a leader and it's not a matter of if we're leading the question is how we're leading every parent has a point in their lives where they realize my kids are turning into me for me, it was Emma sitting down here. Um, we have a dog named TiVo that we've had for a long time. He's still alive. And um, I can remember one day, TiVo did something he wasn't supposed to do, and Emma just starts yelling at him, like just giving him the what. She didn't cuss, you know, so she was acting like her mom. But um, <laughs> no, she starts giving him the what for. And I looked at Emma and I said, Emma, you can't talk to him like that. And Emma looked right back at me. And then I look over and my wife, Missy's looking right at me like, oh. She can't talk to him like that. She sounds just like you. How many of you guys have ever had that happen in your lives where you got like a mini me running around because leaders are always leading. You don't have to sit a child down and say, listen, all right, Andrew, he's my son. Andrew, I want you to act like I act. I want you to talk like I talk, walk like I walk, eat like I eat, drive like I drive. I want you to treat your mom like I treat your mom. You don't have to sit them down and get them to agree on that. Listen, they're going to do it. They're going to do it because leaders are always leading and they're following our example. That's why it's so important to start with an understanding that we need to have a personal walk with Jesus. That's why I believe that God led us to see that Joseph was a just man because he was walking in harmony with the Lord and walking with the the Father there. And he is is setting that example for his, not only Jesus, but they had six children after that as well. It is rare for a child to pursue Jesus without the example of a parent that is first pursuing Jesus. Actions speak louder than words. Remember, how many words of Joseph do we have recorded in the scriptures? There are no recorded words of Joseph in the scriptures that I know of, but we do have record of his actions. Now, I'm not even going to pretend to understand this part. But like my son down here, Andrew, I have influence on him, right? Whether I like it or not, either for good or for for bad. And there are certain things he's going to learn from me, certain things he's going to take away from his experience with living in my home. With Jesus, his example was Joseph. And like I said, I'm not even going to try to pretend, pretend to understand what it looks like for a baby Jesus to turn into a grown man Jesus and the influence that a man had on the God man. All right, are you following me? So I'm not, we can argue about that and I think that might be a fun conversation to have. 
We are told very little about Jesus' earthly years, but what we do know about those years gives us some insight into his relationship with Joseph. One of the things we know about Joseph is his profession. Anybody remember what Joseph did for a living? Did somebody say Uber? No. No, what was he? A carpenter, right? Does anybody know what profession Jesus had? Carpenter. That's interesting. Another interesting thing, and, and maybe I'm stretching it a little bit, but when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to go to the cross. Do you remember what he prayed? He prayed this. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Again, I'm not going to even try to understand what that means or entails. But look how he finished. He says, let this cup be removed from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Does that sound eerily similar to what we just read in Matthew? Where Joseph said, my will is to be done with her. My will is to divorce myself from her. But when the angel showed up, he essentially said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Do you see that? I can't help but think that he learned that from Jesus. You see the same thing with, with uh, people in the Old Testament. You see that with Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, there was a lot of friction between them, and Esau had, been, had his birthright stolen from, uh, by Jacob, and they meet one another years and years later, and he forgives him. Do you know why I believe he forgave him? Because earlier on, there's a story about his uncle. His uncle's name was Joseph. And Joseph had been done wrong by his brothers. Do you remember that story? And there had been years and years that had been gone by. Remember they disguised it, or he disguised himself when his brothers came back into Egypt. And he has the power. He's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And whenever they bow before him, he had every right and power to drop them all right there on the spot. But what did he do? He forgave them. And about 40 years later, we see that his nephew, Jacob, excuse me, Esau, does the same thing. Leaders are always leading because actions speak louder than words. Homes don't need leaders. Homes have leaders. We get to choose how to think, feel, and act, and our choices are their guides. Not only are we setting the example, but we are charting their course. Because how we live our lives, how we approach our work, how we engage in worship, how we pray our prayers, connect with our family, has a monumental impact on the next generation. Pastor Andrew, our children's pastor, is, uh, does an incredible job with our children's ministries. He has a website God, called godlyparent.com, and he puts content out there weekly. And I would encourage you, if you're not following it, to follow it. He also wrote a book. If you don't have that book on godly parenting, and you're a parent with children at home, I would encourage you to pick it up. But one of the things he says in that book is this. He says, the greatest influence your child will ever have is the life, is, in their life is your example. More than your child will do what you say, your child will become who you are. And I don't mean to put more pressure on us. Some of you are like, man, I know how Joseph felt, man, or having to carry, you know, having to be the stepdad of Jesus. And you put all this pressure on us. But listen, oftentimes, the relationship that a father has with a child or the relationship a mother has with a child oftentimes determines the way that that child views their heavenly father. And they see their heavenly father through the lens in which they see their earthly fathers. And so it's so important 
that we recognize that we've got a great responsibility. And if you're feeling a lot of pressure right now, I can understand it. But the only reason we feel pressure is because we feel the responsibility put up on our shoulders. But what did we start with? Joseph was a just man. Joseph did not lean on his own understanding, but in all his ways he acknowledged God, and God directed his path. And so if you're feeling a lot of pressure, just go back to point one and understand, if you'll walk with the Lord and seek his direction, it'll lead us, he'll help us to be the leaders God is calling us to be. The last thing that we see about Joseph, help from heaven when leading a home, is this, number three, leading is intentional. Leading has to be intentional. Good leadership requires intentional action. With Joseph, we see that he was intentional in two areas. The first area that he was intentional in is he was intentional about protecting his family. He was intentional about protecting them. We saw that, how he protected them physically because uh, Herod was seeking to kill all of the babies and so he said, we're going in a different direction. We see the same thing with Herod's son. So obviously, if we're leading a home, we need to lead them uh, to, in to intentionally protect them. But a call to protect goes far beyond physically protecting them and providing for them. I've heard Christian men say to their spouses and to their children, I put a roof over your head and food on your plate. What else you want? They need protected. They need protected physically and they need protected spiritually. We read a unique story here about Jesus because it's the only instance where someone was born on this earth of a woman that was without sin. Every other child was born a sinner. Mothers, let me repeat that again because some of you are like, not my little Johnny, not my little Sally. They're wicked. <laughs> Listen, the, 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 the people that teach your children in junior church are like, that's right! Well, they're just such good kids. Can I go back to what we said earlier? The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. That includes children, right? They are born as sinners. And our responsibility is to protect them spiritually. And the only way I can protect them spiritually is to get those sinners to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. Listen, as much as we need to put roofs over their head and food on their plate, we need to do our best to get those children to Jesus. For the life of me, I'll never understand parents that have no concern for their child's relationship with God. It boggles my mind, but we see it more and more in our society, Christian society, where it's almost like we're apathetic in regards to whether or not our children have an understanding of the gospel. It, it, listen, if your child does, grows up and does not understand the gospel and believe the gospel, they will spend eternity separated from God. It, and let me go a little bit less farther in the future and just tell you that if your child grows up and does not understand the gospel, the high likelihood is that their children will never even have a chance to hear the gospel, much less understand it. And so I just want to encourage you to be reminded, parents, that if you have children, I hope you get them good Christmas presents. I hope you put good shoes on their feet and clothes on their back. But more important than any of that is to protect them spiritually by getting them to Jesus. And then once they do get to Jesus, once they do believe the gospel, that's not the end of it. Um, we need to continue to protect them spiritually because there are different ways that the enemy continues to come at this generation. And in one of those primary ways is in all of our pockets, right? Um, I'm not, I only got a couple minutes left, so I'm not going to get into all of that. But parents, don't be stupid. 
What did you do when you were their age? They probably trying to do the same thing, right? We need to protect them spiritually. Not only was there intentional protection, but there were intentional priorities. One of the first places that they took Jesus, does anybody know where it was? Luke chapter 2 and verse 24 tells us that when the days were accomplished, the days that were required, one of the first places they took Jesus was where? The temple. If I could encourage parents with one thing, it would be to prioritize the events and the people that are spiritually investing in your children. I would encourage you, if you're a parent with children, to follow in Joseph's example and make a priority of getting your children to the places and people that are pointing them to Jesus. We've been blessed to have amazing uh, youth ministries, amazing student ministries. Um, Pastor Andrew does a great job with the kids. Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, that always sounds funny. Uh, Mark, uh, he had a birthday this week. He told me, he's, he's telling everybody he's Jesus' age this, time, this year, right? 33 now. But uh, does a great job with the kids, and uh, we're going to be starting those, those children's ministries back up on Wednesdays, but we always have them on Sundays. But with Grace Kids and Grace 412, we have a great uh, a, a ministry for college and career age guys. Uh, the the uh, Larsons are leading that, calling it C20. We've got junior and, and uh, teen camps. Uh, I want to encourage you to get involved in all of those things if you can. Get your kids to those things. And listen, I understand it doesn't work for some people. Maybe some people live farther away or you've got prior commitments and all those kinds of things. But what I have found is that the, the, the oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes the parents that are not making ministry for their children a priority are rarely ministering to their children at home. You've got to do one or the other. Because if not, just consider the direction that they're going. Where, where, where does this road lead? I want to encourage you to answer this question honestly. What is it that you're prioritizing in your children's lives? Just sit, up, sit with that for a moment. Like, what is it that's being prioritized in our children's lives? And maybe even the greater question is, how will those priorities impact them 10 to 15 years from now? I'm going to have Emma come up here if you would. We've been at the different stages of uh, raising kids. We've been at the, when they're little babies and uh, been through the teen years. And uh, now Emma's 20 and uh, so thankful for her. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm thankful for Emma. And as I was thinking about the message this week and thinking about Joseph and how he... Um, led his family, the greatest regrets that I have in my life are the times that I didn't invest in them the way that I should have. Thank God for a good wife. She's not here today, so she didn't make me say that, all right? I think she might be here in the second service. And my wife this last week, come over here so I can read this. My wife this last week shared a post on social media, and I thought, I've got to share that with you guys. She posted these pictures, and this is what it said. It said, 12 years ago today, Emily had an ambulatory EEG, which helped diagnose the type of seizures that she was having. 
Six years ago today, this was on Tuesday, six years ago today, she had part of a lesion removed from her brain. She woke up in the ICU and she couldn't read. Five years ago today, she had the most advanced medical device implanted into her brain to help control those seizures. Tomorrow, Wednesday, I will pick Emma up from her fifth I'll pick Emma up from her fifth semester at Moody Bible Institute. This year has been incredible to watch. She's not just passing her classes, but she has all A's and B's. She's serving in her local church. She's joined a new media program. She's traveled all over the world through Moody Corral and so many other wonderful things that I could go on about. The journey has not been easy. Seizures are still present occasionally. Had one last night, right? There have been setbacks. There have been many fears, but God. If you could have asked me six years ago where we'd be today while sitting in that ICU room, surrounded and confused by medical staff, scared and vulnerable, even questioning God, my answer would not be what it is today. I never would have thought that she could be living independently in the big city, accomplishing such big things, but God did. He knew exactly where she would be, and for that I'm incredibly thankful. And then my wife preached a sermon to us this morning. She said, parents, you cannot control your children's lives. You don't know where or how God will use them. So let go a little and trust a God who can do bigger, mightier things than you. Step out of the way. Don't let your kids miss out on God's big plan for them because you're scared. Trust him. Give your children to God and then watch him do the impossible. I think it's a good summary of what we've learned from Joseph, right? Leading starts with following. Leaders are always leading, and leading is intentional. I'll finish with just one statement, and I hope that those of you that still have parents at home, or still have children at home, will consider this. We can either move forward with hope or back with regret. What is God calling you to do? to lead your home spiritually. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening today. Grace Baptist Church exists to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. If there's anything at all we can do for you, please reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook as well as online at experiencegrace.church. Hope you have a great day.